Today, a series that's been called Investing in Forever. Now, let me just encourage you because next week we start a brand new series called Difficult People. Difficult People. And so my prayer is that you guys have been going out. You've had your cards. You've been going out. You've been inviting people. You've been encouraging people to bring them in. We have a special treat for you when you come in next week. We've got the drum line from Triple S High School. Come on. They're going to be outside in the parking lot. They're going to be playing for you guys as you walk in. And then during the service, we have a very special treat for you as well. So please get involved with that. Get everybody you can here. I don't care if you tie them up and throw them in the back of your vehicle. Our parking lot guys are out there to assist you. They will get them out. We will keep them tied up until we get them in here because prayerfully they won't show out in here. So anyway, you get them here and my prayer and my belief is that God will change their hearts and their lives. Just get them here. And uh, I know it's kind of odd because I've been walking around the neighborhood and I'm like, hey man, I need you to come next week starting a brand new series. Really, what's it about? Difficult people, buddy. That's why you need to come. So anyway, but bring them here and, uh, and we'll just trust that God's going to do something amazing. Brand new series, lasts about four weeks. And then, man, guys, how many of you know that Christmas is right around the corner? How many of you guys have already started decorating? Come on, anybody in the house? Ah, that's because it's been so hot. I get it. How many of you have started Christmas shopping? Anybody started Christmas shopping yet? One person in the, two people in the house have already started. The rest of us, you're like me. On December the 23rd, we get it all done. That's how we roll. So anyway, that's right around the corner. But I did want to take a few minutes today to wrap this series up. And as you guys know, we've been talking about this rope right here. And so let me step over here real quick. This rope right here we've been talking about is, and, and again, just imagine with me, let me do a little recap real quick. Imagine with me, if you will, this rope right here, imagine this is eternity. Okay, this rope just goes on and on and on, and you're like, well, pastor, it's just right there. I know that, but imagine that it just keeps going on and on and on. This rope represents eternity. This is your eternal life. This portion right here, this tape, this represents your time on earth. So whether it's 60, 70, 80, 90 plus years, this is our time on earth. This is our eternal life. And so we've been talking a lot about investing in eternity. We've been talking about how the moments of this piece of our life right here define this. So the Apostle Paul was like, hey, don't be so consumed with everything that happens here, but invest in eternity. Invest in something that's going to last forever. Because whether we know it enough, all of our stuff within 50 or 60 years, let's just be honest, it's probably not going to be here anymore. It's going to be going away. So why are we getting so consumed and involved and caught up in the things that are just temporary when God says, hey, I want you to invest in eternity. And so what I want to do today as we bring this series to a close is I want to talk to you on the subject of I was made for eternity. Turn to somebody and say, I was made for eternity. I was made for eternity. You know, the more you talk to me, the quicker I get you out of here. You sit there like a bump on a pickle if you want to. We'll be here at three o'clock. Turn to somebody and say, I was made, I was made for, 
Come on, talk to me for eternity. Yeah, you got chicken wing on your mind. I know. I ran across a story the other day. It was a really cute story. It was a Sunday school teacher, and she was wondering if her young students really understood the gospel. And so she comes to her class, and she asks all of her small students, she says, guys, if I sold my house, if I sold my car, if I had a big garage sale and sold everything I have and gave my money to the church, would that get me into heaven? All the kids in the class, they all screamed out, no. She says, okay, okay, okay. What if I clean the church every week, I mow the grass, I keep everything just right, will that get me into heaven? Everybody in the congregation, I mean, in the Sunday school class said, no. She said, okay, well, what if I'm kind to animals? What if I give candy to children every single day and I love my husband with everything inside of me? Will that get me into heaven? Again, the third time, all of the kids in unison were sitting there and they were like, no. And she said, okay, okay. Well, how can I get into heaven? Little five-year-old boy in the back of the class stood up and said, you got to be dead. (laughs) Come on, from the mouth of babes, amen, from the mouth of babes. I want to talk to you about eternity today because so much of the discussion on, the, on eternity really revolves around mystery instead of what's actually clearly stated in the scriptures. And so when we talk about eternity, when it comes to your final destination, what does eternity look like for you? What does it look like for you? But what does the scripture say about eternity? Because how many of you can discover when it comes to crossing the finish line of your life, you don't want to leave it to guesswork. You want to know what the scripture says. Ecclesiastes chapter 3 verse 11. I love this portion of scripture. We've been looking at this throughout uh, our series. God has made everything beautiful for its own time. He has planted eternity In the human heart. So that scripture right there lets us know that God has allotted us a certain portion of time. Uh, And within that time, within that space, he has dropped the seed of eternity inside of us. I love what the psalmist says in Psalms chapter 39 verse 4. It says, Lord, remind me how brief my time on earth will be. Remind me that my days are numbered. How fleeting my life is. And, you know, the older I get, the more this verse makes sense to me. Uh, Because it just seems like that life just passes you by so fast. You know, it just seems like yesterday, uh, our children, all four of them, they they were crawling around. They were gooing and guying. And now I look at them, and they're grown. I look out there, and I see my kids, and I look at Samantha, and now she's, she's in college. I look at Lane, and he's getting ready to drive, and he's getting ready to graduate high school. I look at Caleb and Aiden, and they're growing up so fast. And, and you know, there's going to come a time, and some of you can identify with this, where you look at your kids, and... and and now they're grown. They're, they're married. They have kids of their own. You're a grandparent. And, and you look at your life and you think to yourself, how did this happen? Where did time go? Time just passes by so quickly. And this scripture right here, the Lord reminds, says to me, hey, remind me how brief my time here on earth will be. Because the truth is, one day our hearts are going to stop beating over here. And that's going to mark the end of your time on earth. But it won't mark the end of you. 
Again, there is eternity in your heart. And some of you come in today and you're like, Pastor, man, I come in here hoping to be encouraged and lifted up and you're talking about death. No, hear me today. Death is not termination. Death is just simply transition. God created each one of us to live forever. And one day it will be the end of our time here on earth. But earth is simply preparation for what's next. So how many of you want to be certain on what's next for you? You don't want to leave it to chance. You don't want to leave it to guesswork. But when it comes to your eternal life, your final destination, we need to figure out on this side what the next side is going to look like. You know, I love a quote by Martin Luther. He was a great Protestant reformer. He said this, there's two days in my calendar, this day and that day. Turn to somebody and say this day. Now say that day. And really, if you think about it, there's really only two days that we need to concern ourselves with. Two days that we need to focus on. That is this day. And, and, and what is this day? This day is today. When, when you woke up this morning, the grace of God met you. When your feet hit the floor, His mercy pulled you out of the bed. And you entered into this day. And it's important that you be fully present in this day. Because here's the thing. There's grace for today. The scripture says, this is the day the Lord hath made. Let us what? Rejoice and be glad in it. So it is important that we are fully present in this day. There's some choices that we have to make this day in order to be prepared for that day. So when I say that day, what, what am I talking about? Because everybody understands this day, this, this is today. And listen, I, I don't know what last month was like for you. I don't know what last week was like for you. I don't know what yesterday was like for you. But here's what I want you to understand. You can't change yesterday. Yesterday is history. Tomorrow is a mystery. All you have is today. So what am I referring to when I talk about that day? That is the day that each and every one of us, when we come to the end of our tape, the end of our life, we stand before God. And you understand on that day when you stand before the creator and the author of the universe, the author and finisher of our faith, when you stand before God on that day, you're not going to stand with the crowd. You're not going to be standing there. Your parents are not going to be with you. Your grandparents are not going to be with you. I'm not going to be with you. This congregation is not going to be with you. But when it comes to the end of your life, you will stand before God alone by yourself and you will give an account on that day. And there's some questions that, that God will ask you. He's going to say, hey, what did you do with my son Jesus? And how many of you know that it's important that we be prepared for that day? You have to be willing to answer that question this day in order to be standing before him on that day. So he's going to ask, hey, what did you do with my son Jesus? But then he's also going to ask, what did you do with what I gave you? Not only what did you do with my son... But what did you do with what I gave you? And for some of you in the house today, you've already settled it in your heart. You've accepted Christ as your Savior. You've given Him your heart. You've given Him your life. You're living for Him. And so the question He's going to ask you is, how well did you steward the gifts, the talents, the opportunities, and the resources that I put into your hands? How well did you steward all of that? And so you've got to be willing to answer those questions this day in order to prepare you for that day. Turn to somebody and say, this day. 
Say that day. And I think these are two very significant days in our lives that God has given to us. So you have to pay attention to step into this day. Be fully present in this day, knowing that day is coming. And if you do that, then God will take care of every day in between. So if you're taking notes, I want to talk a little bit about that day. I want to talk about what does that day look like? If you've said yes to Jesus, you've accepted him into your heart and your life, what does that day look like for you? Well, number one, if you're taking notes, write this one down. That day we will rise with a new body. Come on, can I get an amen in the house? All you pretty folks ain't saying nothing. That's all right, keep living. 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 43, our bodies are what? Buried in brokenness. One translation says our bodies will disappoint us. Listen, I'm not always God's man of the hour, his tower of power. There are times when my body disappoints me. The longer I live, the less I see and the less I hear. It's just the way it is. And so the Bible says that our bodies are buried in brokenness. But what will they do? They will be raised in glory. They're buried in weakness, but they will be raised in strength. We get a new body when we get to heaven. I'm the only one excited about that. And it's amazing because we spend so much time on this earth trying to take care of this temporary facade. I mean, think about what we do to our bodies right now. We exercise it. We starve it. We Botox it. We Rogaine it. We stretch it. We lift it. We dress it up. We spend so much time and effort on this temporary facade. And it's amazing because here's what I realized from my own life. The older I get, my weight starts to be distributed in different areas. My weight starts to go from the poles of my body and it gathers around the equator of my body. Come on, my hair stops growing where it used to grow and it boldly grows where it has never grown before. Come on, how many of you know our bodies are decaying? But I tell Missy, I said, that's all good because you don't have to iron my shirt. Because watch it, it looks like, hmm. see, yeah, you don't have to iron it anymore. So there are some benefits to it gathering around the equator here. But the point is, our bodies are decaying. They're decaying every single day. And as much as we try to take care of these physical bodies, you understand these bodies have an expiration date on it. But the thing that never expires is your soul. One day our hearts will stop beating. We'll put these bodies into the ground. But if you have said yes to Jesus, just like a seed is planted into the ground, the Bible says you will rise with a resurrected body today. So number one, that day, what does it look like? Number one, we get a new body, but then here's the second thing. Number two, we're released from all pain and suffering. We're released from all pain and suffering. You know, one of the beautiful things about heaven, because here's my fear, is that we don't talk about heaven enough. We we don't preach sermons about heaven enough. We don't sing songs about heaven enough. And, And if we're not careful, we will get so focused on what is in front of us. We'll get so focused and so consumed on this area of our life, not realizing that there are millions and millions of years that await for us in eternity, but we get so consumed with this. And so that's why we have to understand that there's going to be a day when we stand before God. And if we've made things right, then we get to enter into something. And listen to me. One of the great things about heaven is not only what you step into, but what you step out of. 
Are you with me? I love the fact that in heaven, there's going to be some things that we will wrestle with no more. There's going to be no more emergency room visits, no more prescriptions to fill, no more cancer, no more heart disease, no more ALS, no more mortgage payments, no more five o'clock traffic, no more road construction in Jesus' name. Come on. How many of you know the, the streets of heaven are made with pure gold? Listen, there's going to be no more dirty diapers, no more debt, no more taxes, no more mosquitoes, no more humidity, no more hurricanes, no more computer viruses, no more wondering if I'll ever find Mr. or Miss Wright, no more terrorism, no more murder, no more corruption, no more greed, no more crying, no more lying, no more sad goodbying, no more pain, no guilt, no shame shame, no addiction. That's what heaven is going to be like if you've said yes to Jesus. You get to say goodbye to all the pain and filth of this world. I thought about Revelation chapter 21. John said, I saw something. He said, I saw a new heaven and a new earth and the old heaven and old earth had passed away and the sea was also gone. He saw, I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem coming down from God out of heaven like a bride beautifully dressed for her groom. And I heard a voice saying, look, God's home is now among his people. There will be his people and he will be their God. And I love verse four and God himself, what will he do? He will wipe away every tear from their eyes. There'll be no more death, no sorrow, no crying, no pain. All of these things are what God gone forever. And the one sitting on the throne said, look, I'm making all things new. God turned to me and said, hey, write these things down for what I tell you is trustworthy and true. It's trustworthy and true. One more time. It's trustworthy and true. He says, I am the alpha and the omega, the first and the last, the beginning and the end. This is our God. And we step into glory. Somebody say that day. We get new bodies. We get, to get to kiss the, we get to be able to kiss the pain and the suffering goodbye in this world. But here's the third thing that, that happens on that day. Number three, we are reunited with our loved ones. We're reunited with our loved ones. Those who are believers who have gone on before us. How many of you have loved ones on the other side? Loved ones on the other side. People that you, you, you want to see. You know, some of you have parents that have gone on. You've got grandparents that have gone on. You've got, you know, siblings that have gone on. Aunts, uncles that have gone on. Friends that have gone on. Unfortunately for some, you've had children that have gone on. And listen, as hard as it was to say goodbye to them on this earth, you will be reunited with them one day in glory. You know, my grandfather, later in his years, he knew his time was drawing near. And he, he called me in and he was talking to me. And he shared something with me. He said, son, he said, let me share something with you. He said, when you have more people over there than you do over here, your heart longs to be over there more than it does over here. And it wasn't long that he passed on. And the older I get, the longer I live the more people I begin to see going to the other side, the more my heart longs to be with them. And that happens. And so on that day, you're going to be reunited with your loved ones, the believers who have gone on before you. But then finally, 
Number four, you will be rewarded for your faithfulness for this day. You're rewarded for your faithfulness on this day. See, y'all were jumping and clapping and shouting and running laps, but now y'all just sitting there. You can be rewarded for your faithfulness on this day. Your faithfulness today matters on that day. The scripture warns us of not getting too attached to the things of this world. The scripture uses words like aliens and strangers and foreigners in this world. Do you understand this world is not our home? We're just passing through as the song goes. And, and, and so you're not supposed to get too settled here. Why? Because this is not your final resting place. Have you ever felt restless inside? Have you ever felt discontent? Have you ever been dissatisfied with things? Has there ever been anything inside of you that just simply longed for something more? Have you ever thought, you know, there's something I'm missing out on? Hear me. If you're not completely happy on this earth, lean in. You're not supposed to be. Because this is not our final destination. This is not our final resting place. I love what C.S. Lewis said. He said it this way. I found in myself a desire that no experience in this world can satisfy. My only conclusion is this. I was made for another world. Do you realize that we were made for another world today? Turn to somebody and say that day. We've got to be a church that is constantly looking for that day. We've got to be a people who is looking for a city whose builder and maker is God. We have to be fully present on this day so that when we step into that day, it won't bring regret, but it will bring reward. Because eternity changes the way we are to look at things. And so with that in mind, I want to kind of turn the corner just real quickly today and wrap it up. Because I've done my best to paint you a picture of what that day is going to look like. If you have accepted Christ in your heart, I've painted you that picture. But eternity changes the way you handle a few things. So if you're taking notes, write this down. The first thing eternity changes is the way we handle trouble. Come on, how many of you know anything about trouble? You had a little trouble in your life before? You ever had to walk through a dark season in your life? You know, I thought about Job, and, 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 and if you've ever thought that you had a bad day, Job's bad day is worse than probably anything that anybody could ever go through in life. And so when you read Job chapter 1 and 2, you find this, this stage is set, and God is having a conversation with Satan. And God calls Satan into account, and so the devil presents himself before God, and God says, hey, where have you been? And the devil said, well, I've been to and fro, walking a little here and a little there. And the scripture tells us that God looks at him and says, hey, have you considered my servant Job? See, Job was oblivious to the fact. Job didn't know this conversation was happening. He didn't know all of this was taking place. And so God offers up Job. And he says, hey, have you considered my servant Job? There's none like him on the entire planet. He fears God. He stays away from evil. He's blameless. He pleases me in all of his ways. And the devil said, yeah, but that's just because you've got a hedge around him. You drop the hedge and he'll curse you to your face. And so God says, okay, I'll tell you what. He says, take whatever you want to take from him, but don't take his life. And so in one day, he experienced more trouble than what most people experience in a lifetime. 
In one day, listen to this, all of a sudden he wakes up that morning only to find that the Sabians stole all of his animals and killed all of his farmlands. It's, uh, farmhands, excuse me. And as soon as he gets that word, all of a sudden here comes somebody else to tell him the fire fell and burned up all of the sheep and burned up all of your shepherds. As soon as he receives that message, here comes another guy saying, Hey, the raiders come and stole all of your camels and attacked all of your servants. And as soon as he finishes, another guy comes in, the worst of all, and says, A strong wind came and killed every one of your children. All of this happened in one day. And yet Job, when he had reached the lowest point in his life, in light of eternity, here's what Job said. Now, I want to give you a warning. This scripture comes with a warning label on it because, quite honestly, I don't know how he was able to say what he said. But in Job chapter 1, verse 21, here's what Job said. I came naked from my mother's womb, and I'll be naked when I leave. The Lord gave me what I had, and the Lord has taken it away. But praise the name of the Lord. And in all of this, Job did not sin by blaming God. I don't know how he was able to do it. Job's own wife even showed up and said, you need to curse God and die. Here is the tool of the enemy when you're in trouble. He wants you to turn your back on God. But hear me today. What sense does it make for you to turn your back on the only one who can help you? The only one who can bless you and help you to get out of the hole that you find yourself in. When you have an eternal perspective, it changes the way you handle trouble. I love what Paul said in Romans chapter 8 verse 18. He says, I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory which shall be revealed in us. In other words, when you live in light of eternity, it changes the way you look at trouble. It changes the way you handle some things. And here's what I want to tell some of you in here today. I want you to lean in right now and I want you to hear me and hear me big today. Now is not forever. Now is not forever. For some of you, you walked in here today and there's some doom and gloom over your life. For some of you, you walked in here and there's stress and anxiety that has filled your heart and filled your soul. And you can't understand why you're walking through what you're walking through. But hear me today. Now is not forever. Weeping may endure for the night, but joy comes in the morning and just the blink of an eye and it's all going to be gone. And you stay. Stand before God, and when you stand before Him, you and I need to hear Him say, Well done, thy good and faithful servant. Enter into what? The joy of the Lord. Now is not forever. So eternity changes the way we handle trouble. Here's the second thing eternity changes the way we handle offense. And I know we're in Johnson County. I'm not talking about a fence, I'm talking about offense. Oh, 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 somebody ticked you off. That's Johnson County. Is that you? That make it plain and simple? <laughs> Have you ever been offended before? Somebody ever said something about you that wasn't true? Somebody ever hurt you intentionally? People mistreat you. They're dirty to you. They question your motives. They sabotage your success. Hear me today. People will mistreat you. But here's what I've understood about harboring a grudge. If you hold on to a grudge, a grudge will hold on to you. And it won't let go. Listen, Job had some friends that on the worst day of his life, they came by. And they came there to really comfort him. And hear me today. 
When they came by, they saw the anguish, they saw the grief, and for seven days, they couldn't say a word. They just sat in silence for seven days. They covered her mouth. And can I tell you something? His friends were at their best when their mouths were shut. When someone is going through the most difficult day of their life, hear me, your theology is not going to change things. Your preaching to them is not going to change things. Now, it's important that you get your doctrine right. You need to know that. But there's something they teach you in Bible school that's called the ministry of silence. It's when you come into a situation and somebody who has just literally lost everything, the best thing you can do for them is to just sit beside them, crawl in the ditch they're in, crawl in the stuff they're in, and what's inside of you will begin to transfer to inside of them. Don't feel like you've got to have all the answers and you've got to have all together. No, you just being there with a person makes all the difference in the world. Because guess what? These friends of Job, they created a whole lot of trouble when they opened their mouth. And they began to tell him everything he had done wrong. And for about 40 chapters, he gets an earful of his so-called friends. Come on, you you ever had, don't point at them. You ever had one like that? These so-called friends. But the turning point is found in Job chapter 42 verse 10. When Job prayed for his friends. Those who have hurt you. Those who have taken advantage of you. Those who have mistreated you. When Job prayed for his friends. The Lord restored his fortunes. And the Lord gave him twice as much as he had before. Hear me today. There's a little formula that. That I have to go back to sometimes daily. And it's not in your notes. So you might want to write this down. It's just three words. Remember. Repent. Recommit. Remember. Repent. Recommit. When someone hurts you. When someone mistreats you. When someone says things that are not true about you. You've got to go back and remember what God has done for you. Remember the call of God on your life. Remember the grace of God. Remember the mercy of God. Remember when you got a little bit too flappy with your lips. Remember how much God loves you. And then you need to repent. Remember plus repent. God, I'm sorry. I've held a grudge against that person because here's what happens if you're not willing to repent of that then toxicity begins to rest in your soul and you become a toxic person on the inside so you've got to repent God forgive me hey I held a grudge there forgive me I love that person not really but God helped me to love that person repent but then the third thing is you've got to recommit You've got to go back and say, God, I remember the call on my life. I remember the anointing and the grace and the mercy and the blessing on my life. I'm going to recommit my life to going after you. And listen, sometimes life is like you're driving a school bus. There's going to be some people to get on and some people to get off, but you keep driving the bus, honey. Don't stop driving the bus. Keep moving forward for Jesus. For some of you ladies, man, I've heard ladies, your life stopped three years ago when your Mr. Right left you. And now you're just sitting there at a bus stop and you won't move. You won't go out. You're sitting there with rollers in your head talking about God needs to send me a man. No, what you need to do, honey, is go get you a mani-pedi. Go get your hair did. Get back on the bus and keep driving. Why? Because somebody else is going to get on the bus in Jesus' name. (laughs) Remember, repent. Recommit.
Listen, forgiveness will cause God to give you double for your trouble. Eternity changes the way we handle trouble. It changes the way we handle offense. But then here's the third thing. Eternity changes the way we handle our stuff. Changes the way we handle our stuff. Job had it all and then lost it all. And God returned it all. But from the beginning, Job knew that God was his all in all. Listen, you could have the world by the tail. And in 24 hours, literally lose it all. I love what the scripture says. This is not in your notes. Jesus says, hey, don't store up treasures here on earth where moths eat them and rust destroys them and where thieves break in and steal. But store up your treasures in heaven where moth and rust cannot destroy and thieves don't break in and steal. Wherever your treasure is, there the desires of your heart will be also. What are you storing up in life? Has your life stopped at the last offense? Are you stuck at the last bump in the road? You know, they say that pastoring is is one of the hardest jobs on the planet. I thought it was those guys trying to catch crabs and everything off the shore until I stepped into ministry. And I would have to agree with that. And some of you right now, you're, you're in a tough place. You've hit a bump in the road. Someone hurt you. Someone offended you. And you're stuck. You're stuck right here. Maybe a sickness has hit your body and you're stuck. Not realizing that all of that awaits for you. There's an eternity that waits for you. You know, my kids come home now and he called me a name and she called me a name. And and you know how you are when you're a kid. You, You get stuck on those things. And so I've tried my best to paint these guys the picture. But you know, you guys are hard-headed. Because I, I preach to you every Sunday, you're hard-headed. My kids are hard-headed. And I tell them, I said, baby, do you realize that you're in grade school now? And by the time you get to college, statistically, you're not even going to know any of these kids. They're not even going to be around anymore. And then you're going to get married, and you're going to get the house on the hill, and the dog, and the guinea pigs, and all that stuff you want, and, and then you're going to let daddy move in with you, and then you're going to take care of me and mom, but I told Caleb, I said, son, I said, man, one day, you're going to be here in the blink of an eye. Why are we wasting so much time getting stuck right here? Why are you wasting so much time? Well, my job's not going right and I'm miserable and da 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 da. Why are you wasting so much time on this when this awaits you? Don't get stuck. 
Don't get stuck. And I, man, I'm not discounting the pain. I'm not discounting the suffering and, and the things that we have to literally walk through in this world. Lord knows I'm not discounting that. But what I'm saying is don't get so focused here that you lose sight of here. Don't get so consumed with your stuff here that you fail to invest for here. There's nothing wrong with having investments and retirement. And, you know, one day I realize I can't preach my whole life, so I do plan on retiring one day. And I want to come hear some of you preach. So there's nothing wrong with that. But why consume everything here for here? Pastor, you don't understand. I don't. I know it's often fit for a king, and I know. I, I'm just going to be honest with you, as your pastor. I know there were some people that stayed home intentionally today, and that's 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 them. That's between them and God. Because I have told you, my kids last night, Samantha and Lane, they we were texting because they were upstairs and I was downstairs, and and I sure ain't walking upstairs, and uh, and they sure not going to walk downstairs, and so that's how we communicate. That's what it has come to in Jesus' name in my house. I'm texting my kids. I'm like, hey, have you prayed about tomorrow? I don't know how much to give. I don't know what to do. And they were so focused. I said, I said, why are you so focused on that? I said, what did God put in your heart? It's not about the amount. Because some people are like, Pastor, I don't have anything to give. It's not about the amount. It's about what's God put in your heart. 57 cents. You guys remember that from last week? Some of you were not here last week. In 1886, there was a pastor, Pastor Conwell. He pastored a Baptist church in Philadelphia. Had a family that lived literally right beside the church. And this family had a little young girl in it named Hattie Mae Wyatt. Hattie Mae Wyatt. Hattie Mae attended this church, attended Sunday school. The Sunday school, they had a small building, a small church. And the Sunday school room had become so packed that nobody else could, could really get into that Sunday school. And so one Sunday, Hattie Mae looked at the pastor and said, Pastor, God needs to give us a bigger building. We need a bigger building. And the pastor said, Hattie Mae, I'm believing that God is going to give us buildings so big that anybody and everybody could come in and not only hear the gospel but they could be taught the gospel. And so sometime later, Hattie Mae got sick and she died. Young girl, 1886, family was poverty stricken. Pastor Conwell got asked to preach the funeral. He goes to preach the funeral. The mother of Hattie Mae handed him a sack. In that sack, there was 57 cents. She told the pastor, Hattie Mae had been saving up for a new building. 57 cents. 1886, already in poverty. I have no idea where this child got the 57 cents from. The pastor took the 57 cents, turned it into 57 pennies. He laid it out before the congregation one Sunday morning. The congregation bought the pennies for $250. They took the $250 and bought a house right up the road, and they started having service in that house. That house, hear me, became the first service 
of Temple University College. They began to outgrow that house and that property. They sold that. They moved on to something else. And they built bigger buildings and bigger property. And then Temple University came up and founded a hospital called the Good Samaritan Hospital. Not about the pay. They said, we want to take care of people. We want to help people. Good Samaritan Hospital eventually was changed over to Temple University Hospital. I say all of that because thousands upon thousands upon thousands of life have been changed. Students have been taught God's word and God has really moved and blessed. But it all started with 57 cents. Because one girl had a dream and said, I'm going to invest in forever. She never saw it come to pass. Let me back that up. She did see it. And that's why she invested in it. She didn't see it physically. But she saw it spiritually. Walt Disney World. Was founded by a gentleman named Walt. Walt never physically saw that come to pass. So on the grand opening day of Walt Disney World. The CEO stood up and Walt's wife was there and he said, we all know Walt would have loved to sing this. He he didn't see this come to pass. And Walt's wife in that middle of that speech stood up and walked to the podium and said, you don't understand. Walt did see this. That's why you're living it now. Are you willing to invest in eternity? To say, God... It's more than just consuming everything here. I'm going to invest in eternity. Now, with that being said, we've been talking about for a long time. I'm going to have my family to come up. Sis, where's Lane at? Lane, he's back there helping some. Is Lane back there? Imagine that. You know, there's always one. There's always one. Y'all pray for me. Are you getting him, sis? I want my family to come up here. And, and I've got two more in, in Kiss Church, but come on, guys. My family to come up here. These are the workers in my family anyway. And my other two, if, I, if you could hire them, one of them's 11, the other one's 7. If you could hire them, I would greatly appreciate that because they need a job. These are the workers in our family. We've been praying about this offering for weeks. I told you the text messages last night. Lane and I, Samantha and I, we were having, and we've been praying about it. I'll never ask you to do something that my family is not willing to do. And so we've got ours. And so right now, I'm going to have our ushers to just come up, wherever you are in the house. We've got a basket. And you say, well, Pastor, man, I forgot. I, I didn't bring it out. That's fine. You bring it next week. Some of you say, well, Pastor, I, eh, I didn't get a golden envelope. That's fine. There's some envelopes in your seat back. And so what I'm asking you to do is just stand with me all over the house. We're going to worship. We're going to sing. Sis, could you get up there and help Thomas sing a little bit, please? We're going to sing and we're going to worship. And we're going to bring what God has blessed us with today. And so let's pray. Father, in the name of Jesus, we love you today. We thank you. 
for the privilege of being in your house. We thank you for the privilege that you've given us right now to be able to give back to you a portion of what you've given to us. And so, Father, we just do it in Jesus' name. And everybody said amen. Amen. Just come and bring your offering, guys, and throw it there. Let's worship God today. You are the King of Kings. 